You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is thursday so you've got matt and myself here today we're going to talk about the 2021 running back rankings numbers 21 through possibly 40 we probably should be able to get through them i think because you know Okay, at a certain point in these rankings, it's just kind of like, yep, so here's this guy, and then next up is this guy. So we're going to try and get through uh, the rest of those. We got through our top 20 on Monday with Dennis. Uh, but before we jump into talking about uh, the RB2s, 3s, and 4s, Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday? Doing pretty good. I, I'm with you. We should be able to get through 40. I think we may even get through more of them because uh, we're going to have – a lot less uh, exciting things to say as, as you go down the list. It's like, boy, I hope that guy scores five points a game for me. <laughs> Running back to me gets uh, depressing a little earlier than wide receiver. Yeah, um, I think I feel like that's been true for the past couple of years. But yeah, looking at this, uh, I really kind of felt um, uncomfortable ranking some guys once I got to a certain point. Uh, yeah. In all honesty, it was kind of, I hate to say this, but is almost kind of where I have Darrell Henderson, which you guys are going to find out is not much further from where we're about to start right now. It's kind of like, a, yeah, uh, I don't feel great about any of these players. So, Yeah, and trying to guess how people are going to integrate and what some of the timeshares in the – you know, almost every backfield now is a committee. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's really easy to, to rank up 
high, the guys that we know are going to have a good three down share. When you start to get into, you know, how much of the rushing work are you going to get? How much of the passing work are you going to get? How much, you know, rushing and passing is for running backs in this offense in general. It gets to be a little more exciting. Yeah, uh, that's kind of, I guess, the the one good thing about wide receivers, right? You can have multiple on the field and they can all produce running backs. They're just going to kind of uh, eat at each other. Yeah. But we've got a couple guys here. I think the interesting thing is separating out some of the uh, – some of the backfields that have two different running backs, you know, we'll get to one. Obviously, uh, Denver is one. We have kind of like a decided, I don't say advantage, but we have one guy ranked a little bit higher than the other. Kind well, of you and I do. Think. Well, that's the other way. Oh, did he? I didn't see which way he went on. Okay, yeah, he did. Wow. Okay, yeah. So we, you know, we'll we'll show you guys. I guess who we think is going uh, to be the guy in some of these backfields. Again, this is twenty twenty one rankings, not dynasty. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump right into it. We finished at 20 last week, so we'll start at 21. um, And I'm going to give you guys our consensus, and then we will talk a little bit about that player. So at RB21 for us with a consensus of 22.33 is Mike Davis now of the um, Atlanta Atlanta Falcons. Falcons. I had him at 20. Dennis had him at 24. And Matt, you had him coming in at 23. Well, everybody, uh, I don't think anybody's really out there saying he's going to be the next Derrick Henry, but he does look primed to at least have a good role. We know Arthur Smith is going over there, new head coach. We saw the offense that he ran in Tennessee with having Derrick Henry. You know, what are your expectations for Mike Davis being the likely lead back for the Falcons in the 2021 season? Yeah, I'm torn because this one's a little tough. We we talked about a lot last year. You know, is Mike Davis going to go to a team where he gets a shot to be the guy? Um, because he did a pretty good job filling in for Christian McCaffrey, even though Carolina wasn't a great team. And he didn't put up eye-popping numbers, but he finished as RB12. And so he goes to Atlanta, a team desperate for running back, to an offensive coordinator who had a running back go for 2,000 yards last year, gets to be the guy. And now it's like, ah, I don't know how I feel. Uh, And – that's still, you know, Todd Gurley didn't put up a, a ton of yards either. The, their line is probably still a work in progress. Their team's probably still not great. They traded Julio Jones, so their passing game may not even be as robust. I have him as a low-end RB2. I don't think I, – I think touchdowns are really going to be the the problem for me you know we saw Gurley go up a little higher last year without being a real force as a rusher or receiver but he was falling into the end zone a couple times a game there for a stretch I don't know if that happens this year I'm not super high on Atlanta I don't know how you feel about them in general uh no I don't think Atlanta is going to be that good either in all honesty that's why I have him ranked here at 20 because I don't know I guess touchdowns is probably the best way to put I just the way I looked at it when I was ranking them was I don't think this offense is going to be very effective. Therefore, I don't think Mike Davis scores many points just because of that. I think he can get a lot of carries and probably a decent amount of rushing yards, but at some point Atlanta is going to go down and go down big, and then they're going to start passing the ball to try and get back in the game. And while I do think Mike Davis will probably get some receiving uh, yards and some catches, I don't think he's a horrible receiver. We saw him, as you just mentioned, fill in for Christian McCaffrey there in Carolina and did a, a pretty good job most of the time. I just don't think he's going to be – doing everything and at some point they're going to start using other guys I I don't really think anybody that's going to do anything for fantasy but I do think that he's going to have his role limited at times so 
I mean, yeah, 20... and that's you know that's kind of what our friend Dennis, who is uh, on a beach somewhere in Hawaii. I don't know if you've been living vicariously through his photos. Um, he not. he put a few thoughts. He said Davis gets a shot to be the RB one out of the gate after filling in. Unfortunately, the volume's just not going to be there. Yeah. So at 22 for us is Miles Gaskin comes in with the same uh, consensus ranking here of Mike Davis at 22.33. I have him at 24. Dennis had him at 21. Matt, you had him at 22. I was uh, the lowest on him there, right on the edge of being a RB2, obviously, at 24. And I'm going to say the same thing. For me, it's really kind of that offense. I, I don't really believe in Tua and, and Miami's offense, and I do think that Salvan Ahmed is going to get a little bit more run maybe than others think he is. It feels like once Miami didn't go running back in the NFL draft, a lot of us thought they were going to get Travis Etienne, and a lot of the rumors were that they – not Etienne, I'm sorry, uh, Javante in the second round. And it looked like he was gonna they were he was gonna go there until Denver jumped him and then they took Javante and then they just kind of seemed content to ride with the running back room that they had. Just because they didn't take a running back doesn't mean that they have all the faith in the world that Miles Gaskin is the guy. I do think Gaskin's gonna be good. That's why I have him there at RB two, but I don't think he's going to be the end all be all. I think Ahmed's gonna get some and there's somebody else that I cannot it's think Malcolm of. Malcolm Brown. Now. Malcolm so, Brown, who now, we've seen. That was the other one. You know, there's Jared Dokes that people get kind yeah. of. Uh, I don't know what to think dopes. about that. Yeah. But Malcolm Brown, we've seen him be crusher of dreams uh, for many a promising young running back in a committee. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually the exact words I was going to use is he's, he crushes other backfield dreams. So I – I think Gaskin's going to be good. I mean, I think 24, that's still very good value. I think he's going to put it because we saw he could do good work in the receiving game. He's a good rusher, but I don't think Ahmed's going away, and I don't think Brown's going away either. Yeah, and that's that's a hybrid of the concerns. Um, Dennis noted that he has Gaskin and Davis and a couple of the backs we're going to mention right here uh, after all kind of in the same tier, and I think we're probably all a little similar in that way. Um, he had Gaskin at 21. He said he expects him to lead in touches, but can he hold up? He expects them to use other backs liberally to keep him healthy. And I think that's where I'm at too. I also expect Gaskin to be the best of their running backs. And we've seen he's the most dynamic playmaker as a receiver, but they have other receivers this year. So, you know, a lot of people point to that Raiders game and I loved that Raiders game, but in part, there wasn't a lot of wide receiver options, yeah. you know, so Gaskin has more competition there. We've talked about, and I know if you listened to uh, Colin and, and Austin talking on Canbound, there's a lot of tight ends in Miami now too. They had Gusecki, they had gotten Adam Shaheen, they drafted Hunter Long. So there are, you know, they have four or five receivers they might use. They have three or four tight ends they might use. So how much passing volume is there going to be? And if you were relying on him just as a rusher, I'm not sure he gets a ton of volume. So I have him, you know, a low-end RB2. Also, I like Miami a touch better than Atlanta, so he's one spot ahead of Mike Davis for me. At 23 for us with a consensus of 23.67 is Kareem Hunt. Both Dennis and myself have him at 22 you have him at 27. Uh, your concerns on why you have him as a RB3. So I dropped him a little bit more than you. I am was m the most bullish on Chubb, I think, of all of yes, us. Yes, you were. Yes. Um, so that's a big part of it. And also, we, you and I have talked. Hunt 
had his value significantly propped up last year by getting a bulk of carries in four games that Chubb wasn't there, which you know, I you don't project injuries. I'm hoping doesn't happen. I'm not projecting to happen. And touchdowns, which might come back to the pack a little bit. So for me, there's a lot of talk about him being this great receiving weapon. But when we actually looked at his kind of targets and receptions and receiving yardage, it wasn't incredible. It's that he had, I think, six receiving touchdowns. You have OBJ back. Um, you have some other targets. You also have Chubb potentially getting goal line carries. So I think that comes back a little bit, and there are just other running backs that I liked their defined volume a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm with you. I think for me the reason I kept him up here is because of how willing they were to use him at times in the red zone. I think – and this is the hard part to bet on, and I will admit that I might be higher on him – He's a guy that I he's one of the guys here that I think could drop lower kind of into the range that you have. I put him up here because I think he's still going to get the touchdowns which yeah. is going to end up booing his fantasy points. I don't think he's going to well, get a ton of rushes and catches. When you're in that uh, right, 20, yeah. 20 to 30 range, it's I think we looked at it last year, it's like a 50 point spread. Yeah, it's not like you're sitting there at like 36 and I'm at 22. We're five we're five spots apart, which is <laughs> It's within the, as Dennis loves to say, it's in the realm of possibilities. And I, I could honestly say going down to probably 30, 32 is in the realm of possibilities. I think he's still going to get the touchdowns because I do think that the Browns offense is going to be, I still think it's going to be a little bit more explosive this year than last year. I agree. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about it with Nick Chubb on the on Monday's episode, or Tuesday. I was going to say Monday. We did on yeah. Tuesday this week. I do think that at times they're going to run the ball and they're just going to try and play really good defense and go and get out with some of these like very tough fought victories. But I also do think that that offense is going to come out flying at times. And I do think Hunt is going to be a part of that. They're not paying him the money that they're paying him uh, to just kind of be a guy sitting on the bench. I do think part of it is an insurance policy for Chubb, uh, but he really realistically has not been injured that much. Last year was like his biggest stretch of missing time since being in the NFL. And I don't think the Browns thought that, oh, well, hey, we need to bring Kareem Hunting because we know Chubb's going to miss a bunch of time. So for me, I think he's going to get touchdowns. That's going to buoy him some. Not a guy that I would be really willing to bet on here, but he definitely has the talent. And I do think, I mean, you know, as you mentioned. He was RB10 last year, so. Exactly. You, I'm definitely selling him the shortest. Yeah, well, I think some of it is for me too. You just mentioned you don't want to bake in and think about injury because we always talk about we come in to do our ranking. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. We were like, now we think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back with the Packers. Why we had him so high. So while we have Adams up at where we did at wide receiver, we haven't done our wide receiver episodes yet, but we have them already done. We all have Adams very high because we all thought, no, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. We do our rankings. We're, I'm not going in there thinking, yeah, well, I think Chubb's going to miss like three or four games. But you do have to like subconsciously factor that in a little bit, especially with guys like Hunt, because you do know, okay, if he does go down, or even if it's not a serious injury, if somewhere like uh, he may tweak his hamstring in this game, and so they hold him out the rest of that game, and maybe even the game after that because they want him to be healthy, and you know Hunt's going to get a bunch of the carries, and he's one of those like premier backups that is, you know, we talked about on the Cleveland Browns thing. I feel like he's more of a backup slash handcuff than he is really an RB2 in the offense. Because when Chubb is there, it's like 70, 80, 90% Chubb. And then Hunt kind of comes in to clean up at the end of the game. Well, and that's where, you know, if you see a little bit better um, 
touchdown volume to receivers and tight ends also, you know, in red zone, we've talked about they have two or three tight ends also. They have a couple of dynamic wide receivers. If you think OBJ's TDs take a a bounce up, where are they going to come from? Probably not from the pounding over the goal line TDs that Jeb gets, but maybe from some of those pass plays in the red zone. All right, so number 24, this is uh, the interesting one. This is uh, what you and I mentioned, or you mentioned earlier, that me and you are higher on a running back that kind of splits out the um, backfield. Uh, So at 24, coming in as the last RB2 for us, uh, with a a consensus of 25, is Javante Williams. I have him at 23, you have him at 20. Now Dennis has him at 32, so he... While not much bigger on Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, he believes Melvin Gordon is at least for the most part going to be the starting running back for the Broncos. Matt, why do you believe that it's going to be Javante? They moved up to get him. Um, You know, I think he has all the tools. Melvin Gordon got good volume last year because Lindsey got injured and – Royce Freeman clearly isn't really the guy behind him. I know they signed Mike Boone, but he's more of a special teams guy. So I think it comes down to those two. Gordon's on the last year of a deal. They seem perfectly primed to let him walk out the door. There's even been talk about RB needy teams potentially being able to take him in trade. I don't know who wants to eat that eight or $9 million contract, but I think Gordon's probably the lead back week one, but by October, I think you see it switch. And by November and December, I think it's our boy. Yeah, I'm with you. And that's why I have him ranked higher. I have no doubt come week one, Melvin Gordon's going to be the guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if by like week three, it's Javante getting more of the carries, if not already. Like first time Melvin Gordon fumbles in the red zone. Yeah, which we know can happen very quickly. As, as if you're he, in a, did it. he did a yeah. ton last year. I mean, he had some <clears> – if they had, if Lindsay had been healthy enough to rise up and seize that job, you know, we saw Lindsay taking control in games they were together and seizing up and getting the important carries already. It's just the injury for Philip Lindsay kind of – he had a couple of different injuries that really took him out, and so Gordon was a beneficiary of that. That doesn't happen. He doesn't finish where he does. Yeah, and, and I'm going to be honest. I just think at this point in their careers, Javante's the better running back. And, and you know, mm. we talked about, I, I, I do believe this, that uh, Denver has a, you know, again, I don't know if, I don't I wouldn't say a Super Bowl roster, but I do think they have a roster that can get them to the playoffs right now. And once you get into the playoffs, you never know what could happen. I do think they have one of the better rosters in the AFC as long as Teddy, no arm, stays on the bench. Well, that's so you, can, yeah. you can suck at calling an Austin. Yeah. So if if he does end up getting uh, in there, though, I, like I said, I, I would not be surprised even by week two or three. We don't see more of even a 50-50 split with Javante out there. So I'm with you. He, he's ranked higher for me than Melvin Gordon. I actually have Melvin Gordon a little bit down uh, in my race. We're pretty much in the same spot. Uh, with him, well, I did make I did just make a joke about them. The one thing that they talked about on theirs that I think is, does ring true to me is Denver is projecting to have a pretty decent defense. I have yes. questions about the defensive line, and let's hope Miller and Chubb can actually play a season together with Vic Fangio, which hasn't happened so far. I think they will be better served trying to not play like the Chiefs. 
um, you know, and to go out and have a more balanced offense, which does lend itself to rushing. They have a pretty good offensive line. They've really worked on that interior interior. Cushenberry came in as a center last year. They got Graham Glasgow from Detroit. Dalton Reisner has been very good. Uh, they got the Quinn, I think it's Miners, um, who's in there, and another couple of guards that they like. Garrett Bowles has gotten better. If they find the right tackle uh, in training camp, they'll have a pretty solid line. I think they would like to control the ball. I think that's Fangio's preferred style, and we've seen Pat Shermer run offenses that were very run-heavy. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. So at 25 uh, for us, with a consensus of 25, is Darrell Henderson. We were all one spot off on him. You had him at 24, Dennis 25, me at 26. Obviously, that did move up because of the Cam Akers injury. I believe I had him at 34, 35, pre-injury. So, you know, again, okay, I'm 36 pre-injury. But- we, we weren't too far off. I don't think Dennis was much different than us either. He may have been a spot or two behind or right there with us. I don't exactly remember. You know, me and you had talked about that, obviously, before the injury. We both thought that Henderson was going to be more involved anyways, and that was going to bring that back, even though I think you had Akers at 14. I had him at 10. So, you know, we still thought going to be a very high, at least RB1 or high-end RB2. Henderson was going to eat into that a little bit. With Akers gone, I still don't think Henderson is going to put up those kinds of numbers because we've never really seen that with him. Even last year, <clears throat> excuse me, when he was the starter and given the starter starting job, he was good but not great. And I feel like he, while I do think he's good, he does lack a little bit of what Akers can bring. But I don't know who else on their team is going to really steal carries away from him right now. So for me, Henderson's got to be up here because unless he gets hurt, I think he's going to see a bulk of the workload. Yeah, which is why I move him to low end RB2. I They don't have a ton of depth behind him right now. Personally, I think the Rams are either making some kind of trade in the pre. It, it was all well and good. Sean McVay did what you're supposed to do as a coach, saying, We love the guys in our room right now. We're not concerned. That's what you should do. You definitely want to prop up guys going into camp. Uh, you want to get the best out of them. I think they really will evaluate them. Some of those guys may get an opportunity. I still think the Rams are a team that have, at bare minimum, playoff aspirations, possibly Super Bowl aspirations. They're going to either sign a veteran or trade uh, for somebody, somebody who's not a big cost, who they can put in there. Because, as we talked about, we don't know long-term that Cam Akers is a lock to return to be great next year. Uh, I think they're going to want the production. Um, I think Daryl Henderson will be good. He'll finish in that low-end RB2 range. He has potential to go higher. It wouldn't be shocking. If I have him in a long-term format like a dynasty, I probably am still looking to trade him right now because I think he's at the zenith of his value. Uh, We certainly have questions about how – well, he can hold up physically over the long haul. I think he's going to be fine, but I don't think he's – some people are talking about him exploding up to RB1. I don't think he gets the volume to get there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think at best you're talking RB16, 17. That's about 10 picks higher than what I have him now. I would be really surprised. He, he would have to show us something we have yet to see out of him in his career in the NFL to end up being that – uh that RB one, because again, we both talked about, we think this is going to be more of a pass happy team before 
Cam Akers ever got hurt anyways because of them bringing over Stafford and the weapons they have around Stafford. I thought it was going to be more pass happy anyway. So I, I don't think that changes any, if not make some pass more with, with Akers, un- unfortunately going down with the injury. All right. At RB 26, uh, 25.67 consensus is Chase Edmonds. You had him at 25. Dennis and I both had him at 26. You know, obviously all the talk about him being the guy here in Arizona, uh, what was uh, what was the quote? I believe he he ended up adding on muscle weight, but then lost weight or something like that. So they were trying to figure out, well, did he actually add weight? Did he lose it? All that stuff. But w- what are your thoughts about Edmonds yeah, here in Arizona? Wiry, yes, yeah. they would say placements. Uh, you know, I feel similar. Our, our friend Dennis said he thinks Edmonds is just a guy, but he's at the top of the depth chart. Uh, you know, if James Conner, who is also there, stays healthy, he could have he could be the lead guy. But um, he thinks Edmonds finishes top top twenty five, but there's a risk that he falls down. I there's two concerns for me. You know, James Conner seems more built to carry like brutal rushing load. And if you looked at the way Edmonds, Edmonds did finish as right around RB25 last year. So we have him in a similar spot, but he didn't do a lot of it rushing. He's never had more than 97 career carries. His 97 carries were last year. The first two years he, he had 60 carries apiece. So he's not a huge rushing guy. He's been more of a big receiving guy. And the Cardinals, as we've talked about a few times, really did some work in the receiving area, particularly the Rondale Moore signing, would make you think that he's going to take some of those short and underneath um, plays. So does that eat into Edmonds' passing work? I don't see Edmonds as a guy that carries 200 or 225 times. So you know, you're going to need big plays if you're not getting the volume. I That's my concern. I think he might end up being the best of the running backs, but I think they signed James Conner because they want a bigger body for pounding, especially in the red zone. Yes, I, I agree with you, and that's kind of why I have him ranked a little bit lower than here. I mean, Conner's been okay receiving-wise in Pittsburgh. I, can't, I, I don't want to say he's not anything to write home about, I think Edmonds gets a main part of that, but also I just don't think Arizona's going to run the ball that much. We have yet to see them really mm-hmm. commit to the run. I've said I hope that they do because I think that could help keep Kyler Murray healthy, him not having to run the ball as much, give him somebody to dump the ball off to. If you've got There's even if it is a sneakier Connor, running team than you realize, though, because okay. Connor had 448 yards rushing. Kenyon Drake had 950 last year. So those two combined were over 1,400 rushing yards. Right. Okay, so I mean, maybe I, I did not realize that. So they're a little bit better running the ball than I thought, which I think then does help out Edmonds a little bit. But my big fear there, as you just mentioned again, he's never really gotten mm-hmm. that workload. So can that? Can he maintain that? Can he keep up? Can he get you know a hundred and fifteen, hundred and twenty? I do think that's why they brought in James Conner, but. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, you know, that might end up working better in Edmonds' favor because we've also seen Connor has not – not that Edmonds dealt with injuries, and that's why he couldn't handle the workload, but Connor has. Connor has dealt with some injuries throughout his time at Pittsburgh, so maybe him coming over here if he deals with some injuries could end up leading to Edmonds but getting even more run. Even a leap from 97 carries to, say, 140, 150 would be a pretty sizable increase yeah. over the run of a season. 
Um, so let's see here. This uh, so we next up we've got uh, the Jacksonville running backs at twenty seven and twenty eight. Robinson coming in uh, one just literally right ahead of uh, ETN. That is mostly due to Dennis's ranking of him. Robinson comes in with the twenty six point three three, and then ETN at twenty eight. Robinson, I have at 28, as do you, but Dennis has him at 23. And then ETN, I have at 25, you have at 30, and Dennis has at 29. So I am the highest on ETN, and Dennis was the highest on Robinson. For me, ETN is not because of the rushing, but I think he does in the receiving game. I don't think that – I don't think he's a better receiver than James Robinson, but I do think with the way I've seen Urban Meyer – wow. Sorry, I just saw a massive baseball trade go down. Holy crap. Um, anyways, apologies. Uh you ruined your one of your fantasy leagues. No, but I never thought the uh the Cubs just traded Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. That's a big well, deal. Mike Wilbon's been deal. talking about uh Rizzo and is it Bryant? Um, yes, Bryant's get, a free agent. Getting getting yeah. traded uh at the deadline because the Cubs are so miserable this year. They are miserable, but wow, that that's a big deal. He Rizzo is like Mister one of like I, I thought was going to be like a lifelong Cub, so that that yeah. was just, uh, that took me back a little bit. Okay, back to football. We, we gained a whole about, new audience right now. Uh, Travis Etienne, yes, uh, Travis Etienne. Uh, with the way Urban likes to scheme his offenses and everything, I know a lot of people are saying that they're going. It's going to be Visca in that kind of like H back role. I don't see that because while I do think LaVisca can do it, he's also not as shifty and as explosive as Travis Etienne is. And I think that's what Urban's going to use Etienne is. I don't know if it's going to be successful, but I do think he can put up enough points to outscore Robinson because of what he's going to end up doing in the receiving game as well. Robinson, I still think, is going to be serviceable. And in drafts, Robinson's the guy I want because of how much later he is going. ETN has got that name value, and everybody thinks, oh, hey, first-round pick, he's going to be the guy, so that's who I'm taking. I would bet my money on Robinson scoring right there with him and taking him because he's getting in, he's going in drafts later. Yeah, so Dennis had said that he has Gaskin um, Davis, who we looked at, Hunt, Robinson, and Henderson all in kind of the same – tier he said of james robinson i think he'll lead the team in rb touches but will fall short of his rookie season with atn being there and um being more favored by urban myers i guess he called him urban myers pet he said of atn he thinks he's explosive um, but that meyer wants to use him as a weapon and let james robinson handle kind of the between the tackles stuff um which could end up working I was interested um, listening to Cantonbound because they had a pretty interesting discussion about Robinson, ATN, and what you talked about, LaVisca Chenault. Um, yeah. Both Austin Collins seemed a little bit more bullish on LaVisca Chenault than I think either the two of us are. Um, last year, Robinson did get 60 targets, catching 49. Chenault got 79 targets, caught 58. Chenault had 18 rush attempts. I think a lot of people talked about him getting kind of rushing work. He didn't miss that many games. He appeared in 14 games. He only got 18 carries. We might remember a few plays. He didn't have any touchdowns, 18 for 91. James Robinson had 240 carries. I do tend to agree that all three of them are going to be involved and tread over the same areas, and that is why both in my running back rankings and when we get to receiver, I have them all down a little bit. 
because I think Etienne and Chenault will eat into each other's ceiling um, because they're going to do some of the same things. And at the same time, ATN being there will cut down James Robinson's target attempts and will reduce his carries. I tend to be a little bit uh, like Dennis in that I think Robinson probably does more of the grinding rushing work, but you don't yeah. take Travis ATN in the first round to to just use him as a gadget receiver. But that's why I actually have them, you know, really close. I have 28 and 30. I don't see a big difference. And part of that reason is because I think they eat into each other's work. And then they also are going to be competing with a receiver who they're going to give some end rounds to, and they want to use in that way. Yeah. And, and that's really why I have them really right together as well. I have them three spots apart. And, and the, another reason for ETN I think buoyed him for me a little bit is because I know how explosive he is. Like the one thing for ETN that I will say is the dude is a home run threat. Every time he touches the ball, he could realistically, anytime the ball is in his hand, take the, take something to the house. So if he even takes a couple 50, 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns to the house, that's going to buoy him a little bit because let's be honest, Robinson's not going to be able to do that as much as, as ETN is. So it was a little bit more of that as well. Again, I, I don't, think there's going to be much separating them this year possibly even moving forward because i don't think robinson's going away but yeah for me, i'm not as probably this. bullish on the jaguars offense in general as some are too which is why i have them both kind of in the rb3 you know it wouldn't shock me if if one of them bounces up i do think yeah. for me even though i have robinson higher if one of them bounces into rb2 it's going to be atn atn yeah and that's why i have him like right on this so again Robinson, not much further, but Etienne right there, just because I think he's got that little more, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, hushba or whatever, whatever the whatever the um, word is for the moxie, hutspa, moxie. Also, I think you can't diminish PPR scoring gives a bump to the pass catcher, and that's yes. it, of the two, he's going to be that guy. All right, so at RB twenty nine, we have Raheem Mostert, thirty point six in the consensus. I have him at thirty two. Dennis twenty eight, and you have him at thirty two as well, Matt. Um, we we both have Trey Sermon close. I do technically have Trey Sermon rated higher, uh, but it is because you and Dennis have him so much lower that it's kind of dropped him in the consensus rankings. What has you uh, believing so much more in Mostert instead of Sermon? <sighs> I first of all believe that we're going to see probably five or six running backs um, at different times for the 49ers, which is part of my concern. I, I probably will like Trey Sermon more next year. I tend to think he will um, get mixed in early in the season. And when Jeff Wilson comes back in the late October, November range, he'll start mixing in and that's, what's going to diminish it back. Most are, if I thought, I was going to get a full season with him, even at 60% of the running back workload. I'd like him a lot more, but it doesn't seem like he's been able to stay on the field. We've seen him be really explosive when he's been there, um, but he seems to miss time, and they're going to use other backs. They signed Wayne Gallman, Elijah Mitchell is still there. We've seen the 49ers over enough years that it's hard for me to have faith. I might be a little too low on Trey Sermon. I just feel like it's going to be a lot of group work there. Yeah. So I'm not as low on sermon. I do have both of them close together. I just, I don't think, uh, 
Wayne Gallman is going to do much there. They brought him over. Jeff Wilson's out with the knee injury with the meniscus, so I don't know how much he's going to be involved. I know a lot of people are high on Hasty. I believe is the other guy. I just, I don't. Oh, I need. That's I need right. I forgot it. about Jermichael Hasty. Yeah, I just I need I need to see it. Like I know a lot of people have been talking about him being the being you know a huge part of that offense. We have not seen it. So for me, I think it really does come down to Mostert. Uh, and Sermon, and if you don't mind taking this forward real quick, and I'll be right back. Yeah. Well, it, you know, that's probably that's probably fair, and you are right that Wilson's going to be out for quite a while. It just seemed like he was such a darling at the end of the season. Uh, it's an unfortunate knee injury. He will definitely miss all of September, probably a lot of October, but if he starts coming back in late October and into November, I wouldn't be surprised to see him mix in and then have more of a committee. You also never know who's going to end up kind of on the outs in San Francisco. We saw that last year with Tevin Coleman, who most of us thought was going to be a decent factor, um, at least splitting time in that backfield. And it didn't really materialize even when he was healthy um, you know, he didn't have very many carries. He didn't have very much yardage. He didn't have very much of a role. So there are things that happen there that go off the rails. I I like Mostert a little bit um, better maybe than so do you. Dennis said of Mostert, I think Mostert gets a shot at the start of the beginning of the season, but Sermon will come on and push Mostert into a change of pace role that highlights his explosiveness and preserves his health. We all know Mostert, too, is on the last year of his contract, probably not a guy that comes back. I think Sermon's the future, um, but maybe the future isn't now in terms of being uh, this year. So while we uh, wait for Matt to come back, we'll move on to our next one, which would be our running back 30. Uh the average ranking is 31.33, and that's Kenyon Drake. Uh, Drake goes over to the Las Vegas Raiders this year. Uh, last year, he was with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, part of that split with um, Chase Edmonds. This year, he's splitting uh, with Josh Jacobs, and probably a variety of opinions on him. I was the highest. I have him at 29. Um, I think his usage probably be a little higher. Matt had him at 31. Dennis had him at 34, was the lowest. Dennis said, Gruden refuses to use Jacobs as a three-down back. Drake rushed for almost 1,000 yards last year in Arizona and showed his pass-catching ability in Miami. He could ruin Jacob's value, but have standalone value for himself. Um, that's kind of what I felt like, too. I'm interested. The narrative seems to be uh, quite a bit that Kenyon Drake is going to come in and be the real passing down um, specialist, and that certainly would make some sense from the way they've used Jacobs, who doesn't seem to be a huge part of the passing game. Um, but Last year, we saw in Arizona, he carried 239 times, had 955 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns, only had 31 targets uh, and caught 25. That was largely as a result of Chase Edmonds kind of having that role in Arizona in his 
history, we have seen him be more involved. Uh, in 2018 in Miami, he saw 73 targets, caught 53. In 2017 in Miami, he saw 48 targets and caught 32, uh, really in a more limited role. And in 2019, when he split kind of between Arizona and Miami, he ended up with 68 targets and caught 50 of them. Um, he actually had 33 targets in his six games in Miami, saw 35 targets in his eight games in Arizona. So he has been um, more of a receiver that definitely could be uh, a piece of what he does. Uh, and that seems to be something that the Raiders need. I wouldn't be surprised if he also gets some of the rushing work. Um, that's why I probably have him a little bit higher. I had Jacobs at 18 and have uh, Kenyon Drake at 29. I know Dennis had Jacobs at 20 and has Drake at 34. Uh, Matt had Jacobs at 21 and has Drake at 31. So kind of a little bit more bunched together. Uh, so that was our ru running back number 30. Uh, the next guy in our order, running back 31, is Michael Carter, uh, the rookie for the Jets. And he is the highest uh, running back that we have ranked uh, for the Jets. Um, so Matt is the highest on him, has him ranked uh, at 29. I have him ranked at 31, uh, which is actually right where he ends up in our consensus. And then Dennis is the lowest, uh, has him ranked at 35. Dennis said he was drafted by the new coaching staff and installed with the ones could be a later round back to vault into the top 20. And that was, if you've been tracking some of the training camp news, kind of the big thing that came out uh, is that it seems like Michael Carter is getting work with the ones, which is interesting. We have talked about all off season. They added the veteran Tevin Coleman, who has experience in this system and who we've seen be viable in other spots. They have second-year guy, Michael Pirine, who some were high on last year. I know Dennis has liked Pirine in the past um, coming into this. But then Michael Carter seemed to have a pretty golden opportunity. He's been a guy I've taken a lot in rookie drafts. Um, I like his potential. I think him already running with the ones seems good. Yes, the hasty talk does, does seem hasty. Um, so we're, I'm on, up to Michael Carter right now. Okay, so cool. I was just going over – um, so if you have any of your thoughts about uh, Drake, who who I touched on, and then uh, Carter. No, I mean, I felt like we talked a little, we, we touched on him enough when we talked about Jacobs. You know, me and you both think he's going to be a little bit more involved there. So he's a guy I could see jumping up a little bit higher than this. Uh, but I need to see it because I'm just going to be honest. I don't – I just don't trust John Gruden at all in, like, a coaching aspect. So I don't really believe in, in any of the players. It's funny because uh, who is it? Uh, dang, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. A Raiders fan posted um, – the video of CD Lamb making like that beautiful one-handed catch yeah. in practice, and he's like, "Oh yeah, too bad the Raiders passed up on him for Henry Ruggs." But he does a really good job of stretching the field for you, John Gruden. So that's why you took him. It's like, yeah. You know, I was interested uh, that they, you know, we'll get to Ruggs when we do receivers, but the, the what they were talking about that the Raiders don't use Ruggs correctly because I, yeah. I know all the talk in the draft was that he was just this deep ball burner, but that really wasn't what he was in Alabama. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. He was used a lot more in the short, short game, which I think if they use rugs like that, he might actually be decent for fantasy. But, you know, we talked about it when he got drafted that they have talked about they wanted to use him as Tyree Kill, and that's not his game. And that's why we didn't think he was going to be be good for fantasy. You're talking about the, the team that has the infamous John Madden coach, Speed yeah. Kills. Yeah. 
Uh, so Michael Carter, um, I do have him ranked the highest out of the Jets backfield, but that's just because I, I do think Coleman starts out the season, but I just don't believe that Coleman stays healthy. So Carter's going to get some run eventually. You know, could P. Ryan get involved? Sure. We didn't see a lot out of him last year, so it's kind of hard to think what he might do this year. I, I will say that I'm not bullish on I'm not bullish on Michael Carter. I'm not sold that he's going to be anything more than ever in RB three, which is where I have him ranked right now. I know some people think he's going to be like a high end RB two. I'm never going to have any shares of Michael Carter because I just don't think that's in his game. But you know, for me, I still think this is a fairly decent ranking for him. Again, I have him at uh, at, at 29. So I mean, he's a high actually RB. the highest. Of yeah, all three of us. Well, listen, I mean, I, I think our and RB three no, is good. fine. That's that's where I see him at. So I just don't think he's going to be like. I saw someone saying like he's got a chance to be like RB fourteen or fifteen. Like I don't think that's in his range of outcomes like at all. I, I don't think the Jets' offense is going to be that good. I don't think he's going to be that good of a a running back at the NFL level. I think when you have one of the better offensive lines in the game that they had in, in North Carolina and you're you know going up in in the um the ACC there which is I think it's fair to say not some of the best defenses you can play. He did struggle against some of the better defenses that they played. Uh, I think that's going to come home to roost a little bit more here in the NFL. All right, so, so let me let me ask you since we just talked about who ends up with the better NFL career, Michael Carter or Trey Sermon? Because those are the guys that seem to be going really close to each other as that next tier of backs in rookie drafts right now. <sighs> that is hard to say. I will go Trey Sermon, but that's also because I thought from the from the get-go for the past couple of years, he's just got the better skill set than, than Carter. The thing I think holding Sermon back is the injuries, and that's not even a – that's not to go with because he was, you know, a Buckeye for like six games. He, he was good at Oklahoma. It was the injuries that held him back. So I will also say going to a place like the 49ers, where I think we can all agree Kyle Shanahan, you know, sprinkles his little fairy dust on, on running backs and makes them look better than maybe they are. Cause whenever we see these guys leave and go to other places, they don't always succeed. I think being in that kind of offense and that offensive scheme is going to help Sermon as well. Don't think he's as bad as a pass catcher either. We saw that a little bit toward the end of the season when, when fields really started to check down to him. So I think overall I would go Sermon. Would you go Sermon or would you go Carter? I, I would. So I definitely am going Carter. I was though higher just like you were a little higher, I think, on Sermon pre-draft, I was higher on Carter. You know, I just – I don't know why. There's always one player that I love, and usually – let's hope it works out better than usually every Academy Awards season. There's one movie that I love, and it's The Kiss of Death, of that movie actually being successful. So, Michael Carter, please be good, despite my love of you. All right, so let's go to RB32 here, and that is Ronald Jones. Comes in at 33.33. I have him at 37. Dennis at 30. You have him at 33. Yep. Any fears about Fournette or, or anything else? you think Ronald Jones is going to be the guy uh, for this season? Tons of fears. Um, it's a pass-first team. They have, uh, I think, every – elite receiver that's ever played or imagined playing um, is what it feels like at times down in Tampa Bay, which is a concern. He's 
at best in a three-way split with Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard. It could even be a four-way split if they decide to throw Keyshawn Vaughn owners a few bones and let him have some uh, some carries or some receptions. We know Jones is not a incredible receiver and, in fact, um, is prone to drops. I think he's probably... For that system, the better running back. It feels weird to say since Fournette was a first-round draft pick, but um, he's probably a little bit of a better runner. I will feel better if the persistent rumors of Fournette getting released or traded come to fruition, but if they're all there, I think they they alternate in killing each other's value. Yeah, I would not be surprised if – I want to say Fournette may be cut. There was a lot of people that – that think that he could be on the bubble because he doesn't. I my only hesitation with that is what makes him more of a bubble case than Ronald Jones. We I think we both feel and most people feel like the reason they signed Bernard is to play that kind of pass catching um, James White type role. So if you're really just looking for somebody to pound on two downs. I don't know that Ronald Jones is significantly better than Leonard Fournette. He does seem a little more explosive, so maybe that's what yeah. gives him the edge. He's probably cheaper. Uh, he's definitely cheaper. Uh, yeah, Ronald Jones, I mean, I just saw a report recently uh, released that he's you know looked more explosive and has definitely looked better this offseason. Maybe it's just one of those things where he's taken a little bit longer to develop. That was kind of the big things of him coming out of UFC, USC, not UFC. He was not a fighter. He was a running back for the, for the Trojans. Maybe uh, both. He could be both. You never know. But I, I feel like he probably leaned more toward the running back side than than the uh, the cage fighting side. So He's more I, I of a lover than a fighter. Hey, the best of us are, let's just be honest. So uh, I think uh, with him – it, it, maybe it's just taking him a little bit longer to develop. I've, I've never jumped off the train. Now he's never going to be the RB, you know, an RB one, like I had hoped, uh, but they, he's not even really, I guess going to be an RB two. Cause that, that's not his story. Yet. Hasn't been fully written yet, but maybe he can still surprise this year. I mean, I, I do think he's going to be the guy Tampa Bay. I, I think for me, the reason I have him ranked so low though, too, is I just, I, I really think it's going to be a passing offense. They've got so many weapons. Brady's back. You know he's making fake fake videos of him throwing into a jug machine. Like uh, it's it's going to be a passing offense. The, the other hesitation I would have about them releasing either Jones or Fournette is the most common rumor has been they release Fournette so the and the Rams go scoop him up. If you're Tampa Bay and you're playing a little bit of gamesmanship in terms of not wanting to make a team that is potentially in your path to the Super Bowl better, you hold on to everyone. Maybe you don't play them, but you hold on to them. All right, so next up we have Damian Harris. This is one of the rankings I hate the most for myself. Uh, we have him coming in at 33, consensus of 34. I have him at 34, Dennis 33, you 35. I do think he could be the lead running back for the Patriots and really could be an RB2. My biggest fear is as long as Cam Newton's in there, that's a threat to take away goal line touches. And Sony Michelle, Ramondre Stevenson, same thing. I feel like he is for sure going to be the guy between the 20s. But once they get down into that red zone, do they pull him out and throw a James White in there like they did a lot last year and do dump offs to him? So like, if his touchdowns are limited, that's what's going to drop him. But I think overall he could have a really good season and be a really good running back. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Um the other 
you know, the only concern for me that would drop him significantly is he ends up splitting that role with Sony Michelle. But I think they they decided not to pick up the fifth year option for Sony Michelle. So I think he's kind of backup fodder at this point in time. But I it doesn't seem like Harris is the guy they want to use at the goal line. I think he is going to be their nom- nominal starting running back. Unfortunately, the Patriots are one of the ultimate and first true running back by committee. Yep. So that, that'll be the biggest thing for him. You know, I, I could see even a, a Sony Michelle getting cut. That happens. That'll help him out a little bit. But again, the Ramondre Stevenson type is just, uh, I'd be, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's hard to expect him to get a lot of touchdowns. I think that's my biggest fear with him. 34 is Zach Moss at 34.33. I have him at 30, Dennis 39, you at 34. Uh, for me, I just I think he's going to end up getting a bulk of the the carries here. I, it could even be a 50-50 split with Devin Singletary. But I think the fact that they were willing to use him more in uh, receiving situations and when they got down into the red zone, I know Allen gets a lot of rushing touchdowns. But even if Moss, you know, say they do split it 50-50, but Moss is the one that's in at the red zone area and getting the touchdowns, that's going to buoy him over Singletary. That's why I put him up there. What are, what are your thoughts on Moss? Yeah, I'll start with Dennis first. He said Moss is set up to be the 1A in Buffalo, but how high can he rise with Josh Allen as the goal line back? We've talked about it. Three seasons, Josh Allen has never had fewer than eight rushing touchdowns. Last year, a lot of people prone to say, oh, well, they have Zach Moss now. Those rushing touchdowns for Allen are going to go away. He had nine. They didn't go away. They... I think it's the way he plays, you know, unless there's some kind of significant injury that makes him gun shy. I think that's the way he plays and that's been good for Buffalo. So then you're talking about splitting the backfield. You and I both like Singletary. We liked him in his rookie year. I was definitely scared off a little bit by the fact that he played all 16 games, started all 16 games and had worse rushing and receiving numbers last year. That gave me a moment of pause. I, I think it's a true split. I think Moss is probably a touch better. I don't think that's a significant value. It feels almost like ranking Patriots running backs at this point in time. Yeah. At 35, we have Melvin Gordon. We talked a little bit about him, obviously, earlier with Javante. Dennis has him at 27. I have him at 39. Matt, you have him at 28. Coming in at 34.67. I'm at 38. Oh, yeah. Sorry, 38. Uh, you know, not really, I think, much more to add on him. We, we both kind of spoke our piece when it came to Javante. But. I have Dennis. Dennis says, I know, I know, Javante Williams. Gordon isn't just going to roll over and give the job to Williams. I think the old school coaches will defer to the veteran and let Gordon start the season while they sort out the QB situation. I think we all thought they'd start the season. Yeah. You and I were never as high on Gordon. My perception is the coaches, just based on watching the way they were doing game flow last year, weren't that high on what they saw from Gordon either. They just didn't have a lot of options. Now, they Yeah, do. I mean, you know, talk about a guy that we both loved in Philip Lindsay. He kept getting thrown out there and getting a lot of shots. And as much as I love Philip Lindsay, Javante is a lot better. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a lot better. And he's got the size, too. I think – Javante brings everything that we loved about Philip Lindsay in a bigger and in better size and skill set. So if they were willing to throw Lindsay out there as much as they were to kind of compliment Gordon and even at times ahead of Gordon, 
Why would we think they're not going to do that with Javante? And if Javante is able to start proving he's more and more productive, I, I do think that while I do agree with what Dennis is saying on the, the experience part and the coaches, I do also think that Fangio wants to win. And if Javante's out there producing, he's going to stick with the guy who's producing because he's producing, not because the other guy's been there longer. So that's just kind of my take on and that. And that was certainly how Shermer did it last year. Yeah. I think uh, Fangio pretty well defers to whoever is running Shermer. the offense to let him do. Well, yeah, he had Scangarello before and then Shermer last year. I think as a head coach, he does not interfere that much on offense because he's also the defensive play caller. The uh, 36 running back we have here, consensus at 35, is David Johnson. I have him at 33. Dennis, 31. You have him at 41. Uh, for me, I just I think he's going to be the main running back. I, I, I do think Lindsey's going to be involved, but I think Johnson's going to be the guy until you know the wheels fall off uh, for them. Uh, and I do think he's a great value. I, I honestly think he's got a shot to produce as an RB2. I got him in the Scott Fishbowl in round 17. Uh, and to get an RB like that, I mean – you know, maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia and hoping he can kind of bounce back a little bit more. Um, there's definitely a lot more downside with with Johnson, but I think a guy who is at least going to start off the season as the RB1 for a team that I think is going to want to run the ball and is going to have a very bad QB and offensive situation, I think it, it's just – it's for me, it's a he, – he's a decent buy in drafts because of how late he's going. So uh, let me read Dennis's comments. Then I have a question for you. He says, David Johnson, who knows how it's going to shake out. I do think the team is going to be playing from behind and is the best pass catching running back. Johnson could be in line for a hundred targets. I would say with the addition of Rex Burkhead, I'm not even a hundred percent sure he's the best pass catching running back anymore. Yeah. But my question for you, I don't think any of us thought that we would see Deshaun Watson on the field for Houston at all. He has since reported. He is practicing. We have not gotten any indication from the NFL that they're going to put him on the exemplist, which I a hundred percent thought was going to happen. I read the, you know, ESPN did their roster projection and their Texans beat writer said they still think Watson doesn't end up getting cleared to play. Yeah. I have heard other people say that the NFL said they don't have enough evidence Evidence, to justify making that move. Does Johnson's finish matter at all for you? So I ranked him 40. I I think the Texans suck. I think if Tyrod Taylor's the quarterback, he runs a little bit. I also think Philip Lindsay runs a little bit, and they use Rex Burkhead. And, again, I don't think they're very good. Yeah. So that's why I marked him down. If you knew Deshaun Watson was going to play, I still think Texans are a 5-6 win team at best, but maybe better than the 1-2 win team we think they're going to be. Does it change, Johnson, for you? Because it might bump him for me because you can't Uh, stack the box as much with a Deshaun Watson. Even though their receiver situation got much worse, you know, this is a wing and a prayer that Anthony Miller is something that Chris Conley can come back to having any kind of value and that Nico Collins takes a step forward. Not really, because I don't see, I mean, could I move him up, I guess, over Melvin Gordon and Zach Moss? Sure. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's it for me. Like I would, I would argue heavily that Damian Harris, Ronald Jones, Michael Carter, Kenyon Drake, like all those guys that I have ranked ahead of them, I think all those guys have more mm-hmm. upside than David Johnson does. So like I think it's a fair ranking of them. Now, would I be surprised if he ends up as an RB two? Which again, I have him here at thirty three. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I switched over. Yeah, yeah thirty three. He comes in at thirty six for us. So. Could he end up finishing as an RB2? I think there's a shot to, but I, I think all those other guys have more upside. So that yeah. would still, even if Watson's there, which I don't think he will be. I read the statement that the NFL put out the other day that they're still gathering evidence and all this other stuff. I think that once we get closer to the season, he is going to get put on the exempt list, but I don't think they want to make a hasty decision, no. so they're kind of holding off. Well, and I think the NFL – the reason I've always thought is I don't think the NFL wants to be in a position of taking criticism all year for allowing him to play, because even though I firmly believe the justice system played out in the case of Michael Vick, that was a incredibly a lot for the NFL to go through with a lot of groups protesting them. This feels like it would be even bigger given the climate we've seen over the last few years, especially with the kind of accusations. So at RB37, we have James Conner. Consensus is 36. I have him at 46. Dennis, 36. You have him at 26. We talked a little bit about him, uh, obviously, with Chase Edmonds. For me, I just I don't know if he gets a lot of carries in between the 20s. I think they might use him more as that red zone guy and to spell Edmonds here and there. So I don't know how much his value is going to be uh, for me. It, it's I, I view him a lot. Like I do Zach Moss in a guy that when they get down into the red zone, like if he's going to be the guy, great, but you also have to account for the fact that Kyler Murray and Josh a- and Josh Allen are not afraid to run it in it themselves a lot. Yeah. And that's going to eat into some of their value. Uh, so that was the reason why I dropped him so low. He might move up a little bit more, um, especially as you pointed out, they're running a lot more than I, I gave him credit for earlier. Uh, but I, I think this is a fair range unless we hear that Connor's going to be the guy coming to the to the first game. He would jump up more for me. Not much, but he wouldn't be in the 40s for me. Uh, but, I, but I just think Edmonds, as long as he's healthy, is likely going to be the guy. Yeah, so Dennis had him at 36 and said that's probably his ceiling unless Arizona develops a habit of getting out to early leads and needs to grind the clock. Last year, Kenyon Drake was RB16, had 239 carries, 955 rushing yards, and 10 uh, touchdowns. They were more of a strong running team than you remember. Then even I remembered. I, I'll be honest. When I looked at that, I was like, oh, I forgot Kenyon Drake had such a good season. I don't – I think that Chase Edmonds is roughly what he is. So, for me, James Conner, despite missing games last year, ran for over 700 yards and I think six or seven touchdowns. I think he could do something similar. That's why I have him and Edmonds more bunched up because I think – they have more receiving options and those two end up splitting more running work with Connor getting some of those pounding goal line carries. I also think personally, Arizona will be a little bit better and makes it into the playoffs this year. Next up is Trey Sermon. Uh, He comes in at 38, 37.67 consensus. I had him at 27, Dennis 37, you at 49. So we all had him roughly 10 picks apart. You know, I mentioned it again earlier, uh, you know, I think 
they don't take him where they take him for no reason. Uh, I, I Raheem Mostert, I do think is going to be the lead running back. What worries me is he's just not ever been able to stay healthy. I don't think Hasty's going to be involved. Uh, you know, I know they've got a the use the juice and Kyle Usechek. I don't think he's going to be much of a guy either. And then Jeff Wilson. If I knew for sure he was going to be healthy coming back, I'd, I'd I'd probably pull the reins back on Sermon a little bit. But it sounds like he's going to be at at least the beginning part of the season, first four, five, six weeks. Well, they said so, probably not till November. Okay, okay, yeah. So I mean, you're talking about the first two months of the season. So that leads me to it's going to be Sermon and Mostert. Sermon brings a little bit of a better. I guess power running set than what Mostert may bring. Mostert's definitely a lot faster. I think probably in all honesty, a better pass catcher than what Sermon is. But if Mostert gets hurt, it's going to be the Sherman, the Sermon show, because I don't think any of these other guys are really going to take much away from him. Uh, so for me, that's why I have him ranked up so high. Same thing. I talked about a little bit with Chubb and Hunt baking in a little bit of the, if Raheem Mostert goes down, I do want to be able to get Sermon because I think in that offense, with the way they kind of limit what Jimmy G does and runs the ball, Sermon could really kind of uh, go off here. Yeah, and that was Dennis's position. He said he thinks Sermon starts the season as Mostert's backup and ends with Mostert being his backup. All right. Next up at 39, Jamal Williams, 38.33 in the consensus. I had him at 35, Dennis 44, U36. Uh, we talked a little bit about him when we mentioned DeAndre Swift, uh, but just to kind of go back onto that conversation, you know, I think Williams is a very good running back. I think he's going to be involved. Uh, the the biggest thing, in all honesty, that scares me with DeAndre Swift is knowing that Anthony Lynn is the offensive coordinator and how Anthony Lynn just seems to love talking to Jamal Williams. So I think yeah. he's going to get some run, but realistically, if you were to hopefully think that Anthony Lynn is going to handle this the right way and the smart way. DeAndre Swift is going to be your guy. So outside of an injury, Jamal Williams is going to kind of spell him, maybe have him in there at times for some receiving stuff and getting some rushes, but it's going to be Swift most of the time. So that's why I ranked him all the way down here. Yeah. And I think they'll use him similar to how green Bay did. Um, we saw Aaron Jones be RB two and RB five. Well, Jamal Williams was RB 34 and RB 38. So I kind of split the difference and went with RB 36. At RB 40, 39.33 in the consensus, we have AJ Dillon. I have him at 36, Dennis 45, U 37. Um, and, and it's just because I think they're going to use him the way they did Jamal Williams. Uh, there was really only a couple years that Williams really kind of shot up, and I think some of that was more because of Aaron Jones' injury. Assuming Aaron Jones stays healthy, I think Dylan's going to get probably the same amount of workload as Jamal Williams did. He's going to be kind of like that uh, that uh, the RB2 to, to Jones' is one, but I think Jones is going to be the guy. So that's what, what keeps Dylan down here for me. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I put him in a similar range as you said, to where Williams had finished the difference. You know, I think we saw one year where Jamal Williams got 150 carries. More often, Jamal Williams was also getting like 30 or 40 targets. I don't think Dylan gets the targets, but I think he could get um, more carries to be more of a grinder. And if Green Bay's up, I think he's a guy that they used to run out the clock because Aaron Jones is a dynamic skill set that you want to keep healthy. All right, so I am going to run through these next uh, nine players to get us to 50, and then we can kind of double back and, and talk about any of them if you want. Uh, at 41, we have Naheem Hines. 42, Latavius Murray. 43, Devin Singletary. 44, Tony Pollard. 45, James White. 46, Giovanni Bernard. 47, Tariq Cohen. 
48, Gus Edwards, 49, J.D. McKissick, and then last at 50, we have in our consensus rankings, Leonard Fournette. Any of those guys you want to shine any light on or talk about specifically? So I think the one in that group that I feel like I could end up being the too, way too low on is Gio Bernard. And he's down there. Um, I guess you and I are very similar. You have him 49, I'm 50. I think it's partly not knowing what to do with the Tampa Bay running backs uh, right now, because you saw that all three of us have uh, Jones, Fournette and Bernard kind of bunched in there. If, Bernard becomes kind of like a true James White in the way White was with Brady in um, New England. We all have him too low because James White was consistently an RB2. I kind of need to see it with Gio. Honestly, last year he was the guy for Cincinnati, and we always thought he was going to be a solid RB2 option and often didn't return that kind of value. I, I need to see it. Yeah, I mean, for me, really, I mean, I can see that J.D. McKissick's another guy I think maybe could jump up. I mean, he was very productive last year. I mm-hmm. know Gibson was hurt at times, but I, I do think McKissick could get a little bit more workload than maybe the three of us are giving him credit for. We have him 47, 48, 47, respectively. Um, so so that's uh, – he's a guy I think could jump up. Any of the guys outside of the top 50, I mean, you know, Xavier Jones is a guy that obviously – when we first did the rankings, neither you or me had him ranked. There's really no reason to. Now with the Cam Akers injury, is there a spot that you think you'd plug him in at? I still am holding up. So if he wins the number two in the committee job, I will. I don't have another Rams running back ranked, and that is not just because it was pre-Akers injury. It's because, as I said, I think that the the other half of the Rams committee isn't on the roster right now. Yeah, uh, I do agree with that. Um, you know, for me, another guy, you have him ranked up there um, inside the top 50. I don't know. I could have swore I did too, but I, I don't right now. He will end up there as, uh, as Philip Lindsay, and that's just because I do mm-hmm. think as long as he stays healthy, uh, he could be a guy who's really going to kind of be the the RB2 to Johnson's RB1. Yeah, and – that's partly why I knocked David Johnson down. I have both him and Lindsay in the forties. Cause again, I don't think it's great team, but I think Lindsay ends up taking a lot more rushing work. And I think it's possible Burkhead ends up taking some receiving work. And we have kind of a, a true Patriots like committee for a team that isn't going to return that kind of volume. All right. So I think that's going to do it. Anybody else outside that top 50 you want to, you want to touch on or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, running back, there's, there's going to be somebody that we're not talking about that we have somewhere down there that's going to rise up and, and get it. You know, last year was a James Robinson who was undrafted, who you just need that, that opportunity. And that's why I was talking about this with the guy the other day. I think success in Fanny's probably 25% drafting, 25% luck and 50% hustle. Yeah. 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 Waiver wire is a massive thing. Even dynasty leagues. There's always like James Robinson was a guy who was not even being drafted in dynasty leagues. There's always that one guy doesn't have to be a wide running back could be a wide receiver tight end that comes up out of nowhere. Logan Thomas uh, was that two years ago or last year, whatever year it was like it, Logan Thomas last yeah, year. I mean, yeah. There's Kanye always those. Last yeah. year. Yeah, Everybody thought it was going to be the Jace Sternberger breakout. Oh, and it's, I know. Uh, don't remind yeah. me. Don't remind me. So yeah, it, no, there's always those guys. You've you've got to stay vigilant. Diligent, diligent, 
Vigilant, vigilant. That's the word I was vigilant. looking for. You got to stay vigilant. I don't know why I was saying vigilant. That not we're not building a village here. You're staying vigilant on the waiver wire. So you might be just building that village out there so you can have a place to escape. So I, I need it right now. We're not even to football season, and I'm already <laughs> up to my eyeballs and everything Wait, right now. So before we go, let's not yes. forget. You know, we want to shout out. We are part of a great network at uh, Campus yeah. Canton. Great shows uh, like the Debbie Debate. They they talked about Quinn Ewers last night. Uh, Matt, and Austin, and Felix. You want to check them out? Um, we have the can- uh, the Campus to Canton podcast, which has Campus Life. They're getting people ready for the college season right now. Alfred's podcast. Why wait till Sunday? So go check out our network. Very proud to be a part of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are they are killing it. I just kind of I'm here for the ride. I, I, I jumped on the I'm riding on their coattails. I would also like to say really quick uh, before we get out of here, because you and me both know uh, well, really both of them very well. Uh, and just congratulations doesn't seem like the right word. And I don't want to say I'm I am sad to see them go, uh, but it really seemed like they kind of left on good terms and, and everything. Uh, but just Congratulations uh, on the run. Uh, Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops had on Debbie Delight. Uh, I did tweet out their stuff. I watched their final show uh, Monday. Uh, they they unfortunately uh, brought their podcast to an end, just have other stuff going on, and they weren't able to keep doing it. I thought it was one of the better Debbie podcasts out there. Uh, so very happy for both of you that you guys were kind of able to end it on your terms. If you guys hear this, you know. I, I commented in on the show, and I was watching. Uh, I have so much respect for both of them. Uh, and it sucks because I love the – both of their thought processes processes that they bring to the college game. It sucks that we don't get to hear that now uh, on a weekly basis. So very, very happy for both of them that they were able to do that for three years and build the following that they were and hate to see it go. But, you know, Stoops, I know he's still going to be around doing his stuff on Twitter. Ricky's got a new thing coming with you. So if you guys want to, if you yep. want to plug that really quick as well, uh, a Friday show that yep. should be a lot of fun. Yep, we're kicking off tomorrow. For those of you uh, that follow Ricky and I, you know that um, football is not our only passion, so I am sure there's going to be a lot of uh, movie chatter. But we're going to be kind of doing uh, weekly rankings, looking at some DFS, talking about our games of the week, and uh, doing movie corner. So it's going to be pretty fun. Kicks off tomorrow. Yeah, so definitely check that out. You guys posted it on Twitter, YouTube, or? Yep, it's going to – it's actually – I think it's going to drop uh, in the Debbie Delight channel. There you go. So a nice little thing to kind of replace the Debbie Delight if you guys enjoyed listening to that. So me, Matt, and Dennis, again, will be live from a surprise location. He'll be on location for us on Monday. Oh, so I kind of ruined that surprise. When I oh, that's all right. We, we, we don't know where in Hawaii he'll be, though. He, you know, he, he's going to be on location. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe he'll bust out the, the Jimmy Buffett shirt, have a, have a lay on, you know. Maybe a little Mai Tai as, as we're talking wide receivers. I don't know. Well, we don't know. He, he's a man of mystery. So international. No, nah, damn it. Not international. Hawaii is technically still in the Ohio State. Why was I going to say the Ohio it's State? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, Ohio is the but most important state. Let's all be honest here. here but... For pronunciation, they don't come here for geography. Because <laughs> oh, if you do, boy, we have enough trouble trying to coordinate across three times. I, you know, English is my second language, everybody. So I do apologize. I've not handled it very well the past like 30 uh not in 30 minutes the past well really this whole show so but we will be back on monday talking about our top wide receivers uh dennis and will be joining us uh on uh, on a little bit of a nice vacation there in hawaii so hopefully you guys can be with the same time same fantasy channel uh you guys i hope everybody has a good weekend prepare for 
glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb out ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only the tackle of the four yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>